finally, the first college football playoff rankings are out, and it doesn't really matter. We'll talk about that. Also, who is still alive and the flaws in the committee. Let's get into it. Welcome, everybody. Let's Talk College Football Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Kirkering. And we finally get to that point in the season that so many people overhype, and it is the reveal of the very first college football playoff rankings as done by the committee. And if you've been listening to me for a while, which (laughs) there's not very many of you, so thank you, then you kind of know my shtick, and you'll definitely know where this is going. But my last podcast was the most listened to one I've done this year, the one all about Florida State firing Willie Taggart and their coaching search. And uh, we might have some new listeners because of that, so it's going to be time to be a little repetitive, repeat the shtick. But before we get into that, let's look at the rankings came out, and you have all sorts of different pundits freaking out about different things, right? Alabama's not number one. Clemson's number five, right? Those are the two main things that stand out, right? You have undefeated teams like Baylor and Minnesota behind two lost teams. The whole world loses their mind when they see different things like this. Now, if you absolutely hated the BCS and kind of the old system where it was all about record and losing late, was worse than losing early, and you kind of just couldn't really jump a team until they lost and you didn't. If you hated those types of things, you really love the committee, or I just believe the committee has you fooled. But if you are fooled, you really love the committee because you see things like an undefeated, unproven Baylor-Minnesota team below some of these two-loss SEC schools, see Florida, see Auburn. And some fans that really like the old system they are upset because they're like, what What the heck's going on? Um, why are these two lost teams ahead of these undefeated teams? It just it never would have worked that way before, right? So if we run through the rankings really quick, just to get that out of the way, you've got Ohio State, number one, 8-0, LSU, number two, 8-0, Alabama, number three, 8-0, Penn State, number four, 8-0, Clemson, number five, 9-0, Georgia, Seven and one, number six, number seven, Oregon eight and one, Utah's eight, eight and one, Oklahoma's nine, seven and one, Florida ten at seven and two, Auburn's eleven at seven and two, then you get Baylor at twelve, eight and oh, then you get Wisconsin six and two at thirteen, Michigan seven and two at fourteen, Notre Dame six and two at fifteen, six and two, Kansas State at sixteen, finally you get undefeated Minnesota at seventeen. And then rounding off, you got Iowa 18, Wake Forest 19, Cincinnati 20, Memphis 21, Boise State 22, Oklahoma State 23, Navy 24, and SMU at 25. So, like I said, there's not uh, enormous amounts of difference that would have came in if it was the old system. I mean, let's be clear. The old system would have had probably, if you're being realistic, they would have had Clemson 1, Alabama 2 right now then Ohio State or LSU, then probably Penn State in that order, most likely. So people that are accustomed to the old way, especially if you're a Clemson fan accustomed to the old way, and you're sitting here at number five, the defending national champions undefeated, and you're sitting here at number five, you're just like, what's going on? 
Now, like I said, if you're a fan of the new system, you didn't like the old computers and you wanted all this eye test and resume and who you've beaten and close losses to matter, you like this new system. But I'm going to explain to you why this new system is really just the old system in a more rocky, entertainment, Hollywood way. But it always is going to give us the same results. Looking back on the last, what, four or five years since the playoffs started in 2014, I really don't think that we have gotten a top four that would have been any different than the BCS would have picked it. Now, we've gotten some different seeding, even from the first year, 2014, right? If the BCS was around in 2014, we would have just had a national title game between Florida State and probably Alabama, right? Because Florida State was defending national champions and they were undefeated. An undefeated team was never going to get left out of the title, kind of how nowadays an undefeated team will never get left out of the playoff. So it would have been Florida State, number one. And then of all the one-loss teams, you had Bama, Oregon, Ohio State. Probably Bama would have got that nod because they're Bama. And it would have been Florida State versus Alabama. Really feel like Alabama would have won that game probably. But we never got to see it. Instead, we got the playoff where because the committee can do this resume thing and seeding, Alabama got a one seed, Oregon got a two seed, Florida State got a three seed, Ohio State got a four seed. Okay, Florida State was the only undefeated team in that group. Everyone else had one loss. So you had Oregon go play Florida State out in the Rose Bowl, and Ohio State played Alabama in the Sugar Bowl. Ohio State pulled the upset, beat Bama, one of the only good semifinal games we've had. One of two classic epic semifinal games we've had was that Sugar Bowl against Alabama, where Ohio State won, and then... You had Oregon, what started off as a good game, Oregon did their thing, they get the turnovers, they run away with it, they kind of beat down Florida State there at the end. So you get this Ohio State-Oregon national title game, a completely different matchup than you would have had in the BCS. But it's not like they took away the opportunity of the two teams the BCS would have taken. So that one year specifically, I think you had the seeding was different, right? Instead of Florida State being number two, or one, like they would have been in the BCS, they were number three. But that's just because the committee can do that with seeding. And when it comes to seeding, number two and three doesn't really matter that much. They play each other. So whether you're two or three, not a big deal. It's if you're one or two or three or four is where you're going to see some differences, right? So a lot of people are like, wow, Clemson at five, what does that mean? Penn State at four, and, and the, the committee's coming out, and Ron Mullins is answering questions, and they're talking about all these things, about why they did what. And just on a personal note, something that I don't like is inconsistency. So the committee is saying that Ohio State is number one. Their main excuse for that, and I don't, I don't mean excuse like it's not warranted, but their main criteria or their reasoning for saying this is what they said, right? That Ohio State is number one is because they look keyword look like the best team in the country the most complete team and i would honestly agree with them and you know joel clapp pointed out on fox you know that resume wise based on the data points they've actually had just as tough of a schedule as lsu a lot of people are like what no lsu has done what they've done in the sec and they've also played that one game at texas well texas is nowhere to be found on these rankings anymore they're a three-loss team. If they don't rally here soon, they're going to be a four, maybe five-loss team because they still haven't played Baylor, and they're playing Kansas State coming up. So who knows what that Texas game is going to end up actually being for LSU. It looked great at the time, but who knows. Regardless, LSU still looked amazing, and they have an incredible resume, probably the best resume of anyone in the top five. But the committee is saying, well, when we look at Ohio State, we just think they're a more complete team. I mean, they play defense to a level that LSU doesn't which is true, and blah, blah, blah. So that's their reasoning. When you ask them why LSU is number two, above Bama, Penn State, Clemson, they say resume. They don't say anything about how LSU looks, really. They just say, we like their resume, what they've accomplished. Okay. Well, if that's the case, then why does Penn State fall behind Bama? Penn State, resume-wise, is pretty far above Alabama at this point. But then they jump back to the, well, we just think, think Alabama looks a lot better than Penn State. So it's just their impression that Alabama's better than Penn State. Okay. That's, that's what I don't like about the committee. 
I think you need to, and it's funny, I heard David Pollack on the College Football ESPN podcast yesterday, he loves that there's this mix of criteria where it's eye test and resume and kind of going back and forth. I think just to keep the continuity of what sports are, you have to be consistent in one. Either resume is the most important thing or the eye test. Otherwise, you just get yourself in all this hot water where controversy can erupt, right? So they're saying, well, Penn State's ahead of Clemson because of resume. But Alabama, who has the same resume as Clemson, are actually kind of a worse resume than Clemson if, if you're going off just the data. But Clemson and Alabama have the same best win. It's a Texas A&M team right now with three losses that could end up with five losses, right, if things don't go their way down the stretch. That's where Alabama and Clemson are. And other than the fact that Clemson had one kind of close game and Alabama has handled everyone pretty well, if you take away North Carolina game for Clemson, then Clemson's handled everybody just as good as Alabama has, in my opinion. The, the two common opponent, they both beat down kind of in different ways. Alabama kind of outscored A&M and Clemson kind of just shut down A&M defensively. But they both beat A&M soundly, yet the committee has Alabama two spots above Clemson, right? Because Penn State has to be above Clemson because of resume. But if that's the case, I think Penn State should be number three. And this is the inconsistency I don't like, right? And a lot of people like this. I personally don't like this. But here's the reason why I don't get caught up in this. It's because it doesn't matter, this is still what I call them the BCS committee. They're still going to give us the top four teams that the BCS would have given us. They've proven that time and time again throughout the different years we've had the playoff. They've also proven that as soon as you win a conference championship, the ranking they had you at the week before goes out the window. Okay, see 2014 again. Going into... Championship Saturday in 2014, you had Alabama 1, Oregon number 2, TCU was number 3, Florida State was number 4, Ohio State was 5, or no, sorry, Baylor was 5, Ohio State was 6, okay, all the, um, Florida State was undefeated, they were 12-0, and and all the other teams were 11-1. and that I just mentioned, going into Championship Saturday. Now, what happened on Championship Saturday? Four of those teams played in a conference championship game against a ranked opponent, and two of those teams just played another regular season game. That would be the two Big 12 teams, TCU and Baylor. Remember, TCU's number three going into Championship Saturday. They are the, the third ranked team that this committee has. What does TCU do on Championship Saturday? They played, I forget who they played. It might have been like Kansas or Iowa State. They, they played someone not that good, another Big 12 opponent, and they throttled them. I think they put like 62 points on the board. Baylor did something similar with their opponent. But Florida State went out and beat a ranked Georgia Tech team. Alabama beat a ranked Missouri team. Oregon avenged their only loss and beat a top 15 or top 10 Arizona team and Ohio State on their third string quarterback went in and throttled a ranked Wisconsin team now I think that Wisconsin team was they might have been top 15 or they might have only been top 20 they were definitely the lowest ranked opponent that any of those conference champions had played that week that day but they, they just throttled them and they showed this new downfield passing attack that they hadn't shown all year and what happened when the rankings came out and they selected the playoff teams? TCU and Baylor were both out of it, even though TCU was number three. And they didn't lose. In fact, they won in a blowout. And they still got dropped from number three all the way to number five. Okay, like I just said, the playoffs in 2014, the first ever playoff we had was Alabama 1, Oregon 2, Florida State 3, Ohio State 4. TCU will drop to five. Now, what was the difference between TCU's win and Ohio State's win? Yes, Ohio State did beat a better opponent. Wisconsin was at least ranked, but TCU blew a team out and Ohio State blew a team out. 
And honestly, looking back on it, I don't think there's a huge crowd of people that believe that if Ohio State would have maybe given up some more points or if that game was a little closer, that they still wouldn't have been the team that leaped TCU, right? So then you had all the the scare of, oh, the Big 12 doesn't have its conference championship game. This is a big deal. Now ask yourself what the BCS would have done. One, the BCS wouldn't have probably had TCU above Ohio State, but if they did have TCU above Ohio State, they would not have dropped them for winning. That wasn't really something we saw the polls ever do, and that wasn't really something we saw the BCS ever do. Sometimes when teams were neck and neck, like in 2013, before Oregon lost and made themselves out of the championship hunt, before that happened, you had... Florida State and Oregon constantly switching between two and three based on their wins, right? Like Florida State was three, they destroy Clemson, they go to two, Oregon goes to three, then Oregon gets a big win over UCLA, they go back to two, Florida State falls to three, Florida State beats a ranked Miami team, they jump to two, Oregon goes down to three, and they were kind of doing this back and forth thing, and then Oregon finally lost Stanford and lost some games, and, and they were out of it, and Florida State ended up being number one, but that's kind of how the BCS was going, because they were neck and neck in those computer rankings, but... Basically, they didn't move teams around like that, especially teams that had losses. If you had a loss, it was all about did you lose late, and and those types of things came into play. So you can go down the different years, and I've done this before, but you can go down the different years of this happening. To sum it all up, my two rules are this, and they're not my rules. These are what my opinion of what the committee basically has rules are, right? If the committee had done things in the past like say, hey, this two-loss team is better, and we're putting them in, right? If the committee would have put Penn State in in 2016, if they would have let Ohio State in in 2015 and the two Big Ten teams because we just knew Ohio State was better than Oklahoma that year. Hell, they were better than the Michigan State team that beat them, right? We all know in 2015, Ohio State puts up a way better fight against Alabama than Michigan State did that year. But it didn't matter, right? No one complained. Most people weren't like, oh, the Big Ten deserves these two teams. That Ohio State roster is so good, and they had that one bad game at home against Michigan State, blah, 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 blah. And that is why this year I don't think that Alabama can afford to lose this LSU game and make the playoff. I don't think Ohio State or Penn State can afford to lose that matchup against each other and still make the playoffs, not without a lot of help. You keep hearing people say Oregon's going to need help to get it. No, in my opinion... The loser of the Alabama-LSU game or the loser of the Penn State-Ohio State game is going to have a lot more or is going to need a lot more help than, than Oregon will if they went out or than Utah will if they went out or maybe even you know if Oklahoma wins out, right? So here's two things that we know, and this is based on what the committee's done. This is not just my opinion. We know that an undefeated Power 5 champion or an order Dame team, an undefeated Power 5 team is never getting left out. No matter, no matter how bad their schedule was, no matter how many conference games they play or don't play, no matter who they play in the conference title game and how weak that opponent was, an undefeated team from the Power 5 conferences or an order Dame is never going to get left out of the playoff. The committee might give them a three or four seed, but they're never leaving that team out, period. So Clemson, if you win out, you're going to the playoff, right? Because think about this. If the committee was really assigned to rank the best four teams, okay? Well, right now, they're saying that Penn State, Alabama, LSU, and Ohio State are better than Clemson. Okay, well, by their criteria, if Penn State loses to Ohio State in a close, epic game in Columbus, how could they drop below Clemson? Because they lost to the team that you said was better than them. You can't say a team is better than somebody and then punish the lesser team for losing the game that you said they're going to lose, right? This would be the argument for the committee actually doing what people think they do right? So if the committee actually operated that way, and it was like, hey, if Penn State plays an epic game in Columbus, we're not dropping them below Clemson. Like, then I would be more freaked out, right, by the people that don't like the way they do things. I think then Clemson fans should be more pissed that they're five instead of four. But you don't have to worry about that. As soon as Penn State loses, 
Clemson's in over them. As soon as Alabama loses, Clemson is in over them. Even if the committee doesn't show it in the rankings, right? Like the committee might keep Penn State above Clemson if they lose a close epic game to Ohio State, or they might keep Alabama above Clemson if they lose a nail-biter, you know, game of the century game to LSU and vice versa, right? LSU or Ohio State could be those teams as well. It doesn't really make that much of a difference to me. You can argue resume for LSU is way better than Bama and that they'd have a better case as the one loss over Bama, but it really doesn't matter to me. These rules to me apply regardless of who loses that matchup. Now, how the team loses obviously makes a little bit of a difference, but let's just say the committee does that. Let's say the committee... Next week, nothing changes. Let's say Alabama loses in overtime by a field goal. And then next week, the top five stays identical or, or changes Alabama and Penn State. Let's say Alabama loses to LSU this week in a very close game. And then next week, the playoff rings come out and it's Ohio State, LSU, Penn State, Bama, Clemson. And the committee still harps on, well, we just think Alabama's better right now. That, that's going to scare a lot of people. They're going to be like, what the hell's going on? What's, what's going on? But I still promise you that once Clemson runs the table, wins the ACC, and Alabama doesn't, that they will get selected to the playoff over Bama. And you could say that same thing for LSU being the loser or Penn State, Ohio State, that matchup as well, right? Those teams play each other. It doesn't matter. But if the committee actually was trying to pick the four best teams, and they're saying that today... These are the four best teams, Ohio State, LSU, Bama, and Penn State, if that's what they're saying, then they would not be able to justify dropping the loser of those games if the game is very competitive, especially if the losers are Alabama and Penn State on the road. If you're saying that Penn State is a top four team, but Ohio State is the best team, and then Ohio State beats that Penn State team in a very close game, wouldn't you be basically caught in a lie there if then you say well now that Penn State lost to Ohio State they're not in the top four what what but but they lost to the best team that you said was the best team right now it'd be one thing if Ohio State blows Penn State out and then you're like oh we were wrong about Penn State like look how poorly they performed that that's a different argument but the reality is is if Penn State loses on the road to Ohio State Clemson jumps them Georgia probably jumps them. maybe all the one lost team who knows right so the committee is inconsistent. It's the BCS committee, and that's why the little shenanigans they do shouldn't bother anybody, right? I've talked about how last year, right, the real argument was between Oklahoma and Ohio State, and they pretended Georgia was in that conversation. But let's just say, well, first of all, it came down to Oklahoma and Ohio State in the sense that they were competing for that fourth spot. We had three undefeated teams. We had a two-loss or three-loss champion out of the Pac-12. They were out of it. And then Georgia went 11-2, and two, didn't win their conference. And then you had a 12-1 Oklahoma, a 12-1 Ohio State. To me, those were the two teams the debate was over, and it was pretty simple. Okay, each is 12-1 with the conference title. Ohio State's loss is a blowout loss at a crappy Purdue team. Oklahoma's loss was in the Red River shootout, and then they avenged that loss and beat Texas by more than 10 points in the conference title game, so that was a no-brainer to me. You pick Oklahoma. But let's say Texas had upset Oklahoma for the second time that year and knocked them out of the Big 12 title game, and then it comes down to Ohio State and Georgia. I firmly believe, without a doubt, Ohio State would have gotten to the playoff over the two-loss Georgia team. That That's just the way... There's no question about that. But if you look at the final rankings that year, going into the playoff, that is, you know, you had Bama 1, Clemson 2, Notre Dame 3, Oklahoma 4, and then they conveniently had Georgia at 5, Ohio State at 6. That was their way of saying like, oh, by the way, Ohio State wasn't even in this debate. Like, we think Georgia's better with two losses. Well, cool, committee. Thanks for doing that. And it, it didn't matter. Ohio State was still going to the Rose Bowl. Georgia was going to the Sugar Bowl, regardless of if they were at five and six. It didn't matter. But that's the some of the ways they help create this illusion that they do have the power to put this two-loss team in the playoff over a one-loss team that wins their conference, and they're never going to do it. So back to my two rules. Obviously, we talked about an undefeated team never gets left out. And also, a one-loss Power 5 champion 
We'll never get beat out by a team that didn't win their conference. Period. Case in point, that's why Alabama, if they lose, or LSU, or Penn State, or Ohio State, if they lose their big matchup of the year and don't win their division and finish the regular season 11-1, a 12-1 Pac-12 champion or a 12-1 Big 12 champion will get in the playoff over them. I am so convinced of that. I'm willing to bet all the money in my bank account. That's just how the committee works. Now, where I'd be a little skeptical on making that bet is let's say Clemson lost this late. Let's say they drop their game to Wake. Well, that would actually be terrible because then they would even win their division. Let's say they drop their a game to somebody not named South Carolina, an ACC opponent before the season ends, but they still you know, win the division with just the one loss and they win the conference with just the one loss. This year, because of how bad their schedule is and the fact that you might have these crazy non-division champs with one loss, I think maybe, maybe, I know most people think this is a slam dunk guarantee. I think maybe in that case, they would take the one loss Alabama or the one loss Penn State or Ohio State over that 12-1 and ACC champion Clemson team, but I'm still not convinced of it. I just think this is what they do, right? Now, what they'll probably do is literally have Clemson sitting on the outside until conference championship week, right? So imagine if the committee does this. Imagine if the committee keeps Penn State and Alabama above Georgia, Oregon, Utah, and Oklahoma, but then all of a sudden championship Saturday happens and Penn State and Alabama are not playing and Oregon is playing Utah and Oklahoma's in a rematch against a one-loss or two-loss Baylor team that's still ranked and then they win those games, they're both going to jump Bama and Penn State or you know whoever those losers are. That's what we're going to see happen. So to me, rankings literally don't matter when it comes to selecting the playoff. I just care after championship Saturday, who are the top four records, right? The teams with the best records make the college football playoff, right? If you're undefeated, you're in. If you have one loss, you're in, unless there's a bunch of teams with one loss. And obviously at those points, that's where the tiebreakers come in, right? So there are these tiebreakers. Resume does matter. Last year, Oklahoma had a slightly better resume and a better loss than Ohio State. So even though they were tied record-wise, 12-1 conference champions, one had a slightly better resume than the other. Now, all of a sudden, those tiebreakers, that's where the committee actually does their thing, right? Where they say, hey... We have two identical teams fighting for a spot record-wise, um, but if you zoom in, Ohio State's getting punished for this bad loss, and Oklahoma's getting rewarded for avenging a, a decent loss, right? That's what the committee actually does. That's when they're actually using their power to make decisions. If the committee had all the power in the world and was really like, no, this is the best four teams, they, why wouldn't they have just said, you know what, Oklahoma... Ohio State and Georgia, they're all favored against Notre Dame on a neutral field. I don't care that Notre Dame's undefeated. They're not going. But they'll never make a decision like that. And that's why I don't believe that they are really out there to pick the best 14. Now, my personal agenda, I'll agree, I like the way that it, it ends up. I think that a college football world where you would be able to leave an undefeated Notre Dame team out, I think that's ridiculous. Right? I think a college football world where you're able to say that a team that doesn't win their division gets in over a team who has the same record but did win their division and their conference, I think that's also ridiculous. So I like that they do this, but I'm not even ranting on this because I like it. This is what they do. This is what they've proven they will do, right? A committee that really wants the best four teams would have had Ohio State in in 2015 over Oklahoma, maybe even over Michigan State who beat them. But that just would have been so unfair and weird to sports. And, I, and if a lot of you are out there scratching your hands like, well, what about the year that Alabama got in when they didn't win their conference? What about the year Ohio State got in when they didn't win their conference? Those years, the committee had a way better excuse to do that because they were deciding between a one-loss non-conference champion and a bunch of two-loss conference champions, right? C-2016. It was either going to be Penn State or Ohio State. Well, Penn State won the conference but had two losses, Ohio State only had the one loss, and they had that big road win against Oklahoma. Even though Penn State beat Ohio State and won the conference over them, they went with the team with the better record. Same thing happened in 2017 with Alabama. 
Alabama lost their last game to Auburn. But then Auburn lost the SEC championship and had three losses. Georgia was in, right? Clemson was in, and Oklahoma was in. And then it came down to two-loss conference champion USC or two-loss conference champion Ohio State or one-loss better record 11-1 Alabama. And they went with Alabama. So they went with the team with the best record. Alabama did not jump a one-loss conference champion from the Pac-12 or the Big 12 or the Big 10, and they wouldn't have, right? If Wisconsin beats Ohio State in that Big 10 championship game and goes undefeated, Alabama doesn't make the playoff in 2017. And then they don't win their national title, and who knows what would have happened that year. Probably Georgia has a title. Maybe Clemson goes two in a row and has three national titles right now instead of just two. So it's crazy how those games mean so much, right? Ohio State knocking off Wisconsin that year, knocked Wisconsin out of the playoff, but Ohio State couldn't get in the playoff with two losses over that Alabama team that had a better record than them. So that's why at the end of the day, these rankings don't matter right now. I know for a fact that if Clemson wins out, they're going to the college football playoff. Therefore, I don't care that they're ranked number five, and Clemson fans shouldn't either. I know for a fact that if Alabama loses a game, they're not getting in over a one-loss Power 5 champion, whether it be Oregon, Utah, or Oklahoma, or Baylor. This is not happening. So these rankings mean absolutely nothing to me. It's just funny to see how the committee totally does their thing where they set up all these illusions so that they can continue with the TV ratings, so they continue with the circus, so they can continue with this thing that, hey, we can put whatever team in we want. To us, it's all about these resumes and eye tests, and and if we think this team's better than this team, we'll leave that team out. That only happens when those two teams have the same record, right? So let's say we had a crazy year where everybody was losing. Let's say 2007 happened again, right? And everybody had two losses. I still think they would just default to those two lost teams with conference champions, A conference championship is a tiebreaker for two teams with the same record of losses, right? 11-1 Alabama up against 12-1 Oklahoma, but one of them has a conference title and the other one doesn't. Okay, it's obvious. You take the team with the conference champion. And the one that doesn't, the one that didn't even win their division, they stay at home. Now, the one thing, the one thing or scenario that might shake up this theory would be if LSU runs the table but loses the SEC championship game to Georgia, right? Because in that case, Georgia has to automatically go. They'd have one loss. LSU would have one loss. They would have beaten LSU. They're the SEC champion. And a one-loss Power 5 champion goes, especially if it's an SEC champion, right? So Georgia's in. Now, if it came down to a one-loss LSU team, In that scenario versus a one-loss Oregon, Utah, Oklahoma, Baylor, right, whoever, that's where maybe the debate could come back in where, well, maybe we're just going to say, Oklahoma, we know you won the conference, but your loss to Kansas State is unacceptable in comparison to Georgia, I mean, in comparison to LSU, winning all these games, beating Texas, beating Auburn, beating Florida, beating Alabama on the road, beating A&M, and then losing a nail-biter to Georgia in the title game, we're, we're keeping two SEC teams in, right? That scenario is a little different, or a lot different, I think, than the loser of the Alabama-LSU regular season game or the loser of the Penn State-Ohio State regular season game where that team doesn't even have a chance to go play on championship Saturday, right? And And for those of you that are smart and are realizing that I'm right about this is what the committee does doesn't mean you agree with that right and you might be saying hey I think that a one loss Alabama team should get in over all these other teams because if they're better they're just better and the committee has that right I'm telling you the committee doesn't do that but even if you believe that ask yourself a question in what sport do you benefit from losing right you're telling me it's fair that Alabama could lose a game 
get to sit out on Championship Saturday while other teams with the same record are going to battle against other ranked teams, and Alabama still get the nod over them? Sorry, Oregon. You you played a, a top 10 Utah team today. You beat them. And Alabama was on the couch because they didn't even win their own division. But you know what? We just think Nick Saban and Bama offense and Tua, we just think they're better than you. We kind of think on a neutral field they would beat you. So we're putting them in the playoff over you. Right? If, you, if the committee is allowed to do that, then you have to be okay with the committee doing that in any scenario. Hell, if the team had three losses, the committee should be able to do that then. Right? That would just be called the Vegas model. Why even have a committee if you're going to let it really be like that? Why not just go to Las Vegas, ask them who would be favored against everybody on a neutral field? Well, there's your one seed and, and move down the list. Okay, so I don't care if this team's on it, right? That, if that was the case, Notre Dame would not have made the playoff last year because there were four or five teams that Vegas had favored over them on a neutral field. If that was the case, Washington does not make the playoff in 2016 because there are about five other teams that Vegas had favored over them on a neutral field. Same thing in 2015 with Michigan State, right? There were like four or five other teams Vegas had favored over them on a neutral field. Even Florida State, an undefeated team in 2014, I think there was at least three teams that were favored over neutral field. And then I don't know exactly what the Vegas data was on them versus like TCU or Baylor, but it just wouldn't have made any sense or been fair. People would have lost their minds if you just left an undefeated team out, right? You couldn't just leave Notre Dame out last year. We all knew they weren't going to do anything. We knew Clemson was going to blow them out. And kudos to Notre Dame, you know, Clemson beat Alabama by the same score margin, basically. So Notre Dame doesn't look like, oh, same old Notre Dame getting blown out like they always do. No, I mean, who knows? So that's just how the committee works. That's why I don't buy any of this crap, right? That's why when, you know, I hear Feinbaum on his show talking to callers and he's like, oh, I'm just not that excited about the rankings. You know, it's going to play out. I think he gets it a little bit, you know. Now, he doesn't get it in the sense that I don't think he understands my original theory that, you know, a one-loss SEC team that doesn't win their conference is not getting in over Power 5 champions with the same record, same amount of losses. But that's a different debate. He at least understands that, you know, this thing is going to play itself out. You know, but then you hear guys like Stephen A. Smith, and they're just freaking out that Clemson's at 5. Like, how could this happen? And it just doesn't matter. If it was actually a thing where they're threatened at number five and there's a chance they could run the table and knock it in, then I would understand freaking out. But we all know if you pay attention and you don't get your mind caught up in this circus that the committee's actually going to, oh, it's a best four teams and if we don't think you pass our eye test, if you don't get caught up in that stupid hype, you're not worried right now. That's why I'm not worried right now. And if you use that criteria... Here's all the teams that today control their own destiny. I think the top nine teams pretty much control their own destiny for the most part, right? If they win out, they're going. If Ohio State wins out, playoff. If LSU wins out, playoff. Alabama wins out, playoff. Penn State wins out, playoff. Clemson wins out, guaranteed playoff. Georgia wins out, guaranteed playoff. Oregon wins out. The only thing that can come into Oregon is like, right, if it comes down to if Oklahoma and Oregon or Utah, if the Pac-12 champion and the Big 12 champion, when they went out, one of them has to be left behind, assuming, you know, we get an undefeated Ohio State, a, a one-loss SEC champion or undefeated champion and Clemson, right? If those scenarios take the first three spots and it's actually coming down to Oregon or Oklahoma, that's where some debate could come in. I think Oregon has a nod over Oklahoma. If it was Utah, Oklahoma, uh, that's that's a little more of a debate, right? But one through nine pretty much control their destiny. Florida, Auburn, two lost teams. Unless some crazy crap goes down, they're out, right? Baylor, undefeated, controls their own destiny. They went out, they're in. They arguably can have a loss, right? They could probably lose to Oklahoma, and then beat Oklahoma in the championship game, and they'd be right up there in contention with the Oregon-Utah debate I just mentioned, right? Same can be said for Minnesota, right? Minnesota, obviously, if they go undefeated, they're in. Undefeated Big Ten team is going to the playoff. But if they found, if they lost, but then still made the championship game and won that, and a one-loss Big Ten champion, probably going to the playoff. So 
We'll see what happens. And then you got Wake Forest, who is seven and one. And if they were able to beat Clemson, their stock skyrockets, right? And now they're right in contention with that Oregon, Utah, Oklahoma, Baylor potential scenario I talked about too. So those are the teams still alive, right? You go undefeated, you're in. You win your conference championship with one loss or less. You're in unless then we have to go to the tiebreakers, right? But that's that's how it works. That's what happens every single year. And every single year they pretend like this other team is in the debate, right? Like they will this year probably, but they're not, right? They're not going to make the non-politically correct decision, right? This is about the four most deserving teams way more than it is the best four teams, right? It's a healthy combination of the two. And sometimes the seeding is different than the BCS would have given us, but it's pretty much going to always give us the same four teams the BCS computer system would have given us, the same four teams that the poll era and the AP polls would have given us. That's that's how it's going to work, right? That That's just what happens. Get over it. Anyway, moving on. Now that that whole rant thing is over, let's talk about football, college football. And this weekend, we have two crazy matchups. Well, there's there's more than two. There's two that are insane, right? We've got Penn State taking on Minnesota. Pretty sure that's the nightcap game. But we have the monster 330 matchup between... Oh, no, sorry. Penn State-Minnesota is a noon game, it looks like. Uh, the night game is Oklahoma-Iowa State, which will, that could be pretty decent. But we've got number two LSU versus number three Alabama in Tuscaloosa. Now, this game, the last, like, three years has kind of, even though both teams have been highly ranked going into it, you never thought LSU had a chance, right? But prior to that, this was the premier divisional game in college football, right? Some other game, like, division games that have been up in that category were, like, Penn State, Ohio State recently, uh, Florida State, Clemson before Florida State fell off. This one's always kind of held the cake, right, when it comes to ever since basically since Nick Saban got there, right? You go back to 2007, they were both ranked. And basically every game since 2007-2008 to now, this LSU-Bama game is pretty much for the division crown. It's always the most hyped game in the SEC. And I was watching some of those older games, you know, earlier this week, whether it was obviously 2011, the 9-6 game, the original game of the century where LSU did go into Tuscaloosa Lusa and one, just two crazy defensive teams that were battling it out, right? I mean, there was offensive firepower, but the defenses were so good. Two of the best defenses we've seen in college football, right? And then you had your other classics, right? 2012 was another classic, right? Where LSU kind of has the game wrapped up and then McCarron hits TJ Eldon on that screen. He takes it in and they score, right? 2013 was close again, but Alabama holds on. You had, remember, what was it? The 2008 game where Julio Jones caught that one tunnel screen, took it to the house, Alabama wins. You know, you had 2010 where LSU knocks them off again, and obviously they rematched in the one national title game in 2011. But going back to that defensive battle in 2011, it looks like we're going to get the polar opposite of that this year because these two teams have high-flying offenses, unbelievable offenses, especially in the passing game. That's where both most of them are successful. And... It's just going to be an epic matchup. Now, I really do think we are still going to see defense in this game. Remember, both of these teams have bye weeks going into this game. And you got to remember who's coaching Alabama. It's Nick Saban, a defensive guru. Now, we know that Alabama doesn't have the defense that they've had in some of the other Nick Saban years, right? I would, I would almost say this might be the worst defense that Nick Saban has had since, like, 2007, maybe his first year or something. But they're still four and five star athletes, highly recruited players, and they're coached by the best staff in college football, the best head coach, the best defensive coach, Nick Saban. And he had two weeks to study and get them ready for this game. So this game is going to have more defense than people think. I wouldn't be surprised if at the end of the first quarter, we're in a 7-0 ball game, a 3-3 ball game. Now, because of the offense and how these teams will settle in, I think by the end, you're going to start seeing some touchdowns, right? But 
it's very hard to pick against Alabama in this game. Even though LSU's looked a lot better, a lot more impressive, that Nick Saban factor versus this Ed Orgeron factor is just too big to ignore. In college football, you have to tip your hat to the big-time coaches and what they're able to accomplish. So if LSU wins, it's going to straight up be because they're that much better than Bama, I think. If Alabama wins, not saying it doesn't mean they're flat out better, but it's going to be they outcoach LSU, right? These Alabama defensive backs find ways to shut these receivers down. I mean, LSU is going to have to run the game, right? I don't care how bad the Alabama defense has looked this year. You cannot be one-dimensional against them. You can't be one-dimensional against a Nick Saban defense. So LSU needs to be able to run the ball. They ran the ball well against Florida. They ran the ball okay against Auburn. Auburn's defense was insane, though. But I think defensively they're going up against a similar challenge just because of how ready Nick Saban's going to have his team. Now, LSU had a bye week, too. They're studying. And I think LSU's defense is not as bad as some people think it is. It's definitely not quite the less Miles defenses of old, right? It's not that 2011 defense. But also, people are just skewing the statistics a little bit because LSU scores so much that that defense is just kind of in a different mentality, right? But when push comes to shove, when they're up against the wall, they play pretty well still. So I think this game is going to be more similar to like a, you know, 35-28 type of game, you know, 38-34 game than it is going to be this like massive, you know, Big 12 looking game, you know, Oklahoma versus Baylor something where you get the, these high scoring, both teams scoring well over 40. I don't, I don't think that's going to happen. Maybe I'm wrong, but I think because of the bye week and who's coaching the defense, especially on the side of Alabama, we're not going to see that. Either way, I hope we just get another Alabama LSU classic. And what more can you hope for, right? I mean, like I said, this has been the premier game in the SEC, in the nation, right? When it comes to a regular repeating division game that happens every year this has been that top dog and hopefully we continue to get another classic now going into that minnesota penn state game that game is really important because most people think penn state's going to show who they are and it's going to be really interesting to see what happens if penn state wins a close game is that going to look better for minnesota or is that just going to look bad for penn state so that's that's the game I'm really interested to see, like what the committee and the rankings do after that. Does Penn State stay in the top four? I mean, they probably do stay in the top four, considering that one of the teams is dropping out of the top four, right? LSU or Bama is probably dropping out this next week. But is Minnesota gonna rise by a lot if they win? Obviously, if they win, they're rising a lot. But, I mean, if they lose, how far are they really going to drop? If, if Minnesota, you could argue based on, like, right, if you're going to what I was saying about, oh, the committee and they, they took a resumes and best four teams. Well, well, the committee has Penn State all the way up at number four. They currently have Minnesota at 17, and Minnesota's undefeated. Remember, there are one, two, three, four, five, six two-loss teams, two-loss teams ranked ahead of, of Minnesota, and there are also one, two, three, four, five one-loss teams ranked ahead of Minnesota. Minnesota is 8-0. Now, if they lose this game, and let's say it's close, couldn't you make the argument the committee has no choice but to move them at least ahead of all the two-loss teams, or at least a bulk of them, right? At least above the Kansas State's, Notre Dame's, Michigan, Wisconsin, right? I think they losing this game almost would move Minnesota up into like the top echelon of these one-loss teams. Now, if they get their butts blown out of the stadium, then that's different, right? Then you drop them down more in this, you know, the Cincinnati, Memphis, this Wake Forest range, you know, SMU. But if they lose a really close game to the team that you think is number four right now, I mean, obviously it doesn't benefit them more than a win would, but I mean... How far can they really go down if that happens? That, that That's going to be the big question I have. Now, some other notable games this weekend that I think will tell us a lot about what's going on. I'm actually really excited and interested for this Wisconsin-Iowa game, right? Because Wisconsin is Ohio State's best win, and they destroyed them, right? Wisconsin also destroyed Michigan early, which is really weird. Iowa is a good team, I think. Iowa, although their offense, it's really hard to get points on the board for them they play really solid defense i think just as solid defense as anybody in the sec right now 
they lost to Michigan in a very close game. They lost to Penn State in a very close game. And this game is essentially kind of for the division over there, right? Obviously, Minnesota is going to come into play later, but this is a big, big game for that other side of the Big Ten division. The loser of this game, no question, it drops out of the race for the conference because they'll have three losses, three conference losses. And they play similar styles of football, so I just am excited to see whose defense shows up. And, you know, if, if Iowa wins, especially if they win in any sort of compounding way that they just look like they're a lot better, then I think that maybe look makes Ohio State look a little more skeptical than they've than we've thought of them, right? It also makes you really scratch your head about the one Michigan game because Michigan has looked a lot better, right? Michigan played Penn State really close. They throttled Notre Dame, but they got throttled by Wisconsin. So that'd be interesting, right? If Wisconsin wins, then it's like, wow, okay, Ohio State did get a really big win there, right? Because this Wisconsin team is still legit and Ohio State beat them really bad. Now, Kansas State is playing Texas this week. That's a big game too, right? If you're an LSU fan, you kind of hope Texas turns this thing around, right? And beats Kansas State. Also, them beating Kansas State makes that Oklahoma loss look even worse. So if it does come down to your LSU and you lose the conference title game and you're trying to still make the playoff over maybe a 12-1 Oklahoma team, you're just trying to make that loss look as bad as possible. And also, your win against Texas looks better if Texas is able to rally and maybe finish 9-3 and three this year. Um, so I'm really looking forward to that Kansas State-Texas game. Also, Oklahoma-Iowa State is going to be an interesting game. Ohio's, Iowa State is 5-3. and three, And they've been really good in the Big 12 the last couple years, right? So it's going to be really interesting to see what, what they do. Oklahoma, though, obviously can't afford to lose again or they would be done. Right, And then you got Matt Campbell, who might be on the hot board for the Florida State coaching job. So Florida State fans are now really interested in Iowa State and what they're doing. So this Saturday doesn't just revolve around the big LSU-Bama game or even the other big matchup, right? Penn State-Minnesota. So it's going to be an exciting weekend, I think. And we're I'm really looking forward to these matchups, these games, and then coming back on and talking about what we learned, right? Because the one thing we're going to learn is who's better in a couple departments also right if this lsu bama game is close then all the people that don't understand everything i said in the beginning of this process podcast are going to start all the crazy debates about how the loser shouldn't drop and that was basically the national championship game and wow i think alabama's still in it or lsu's still in it right like those debates are going to be really fun and interesting to listen to although i don't really agree with those standpoints because of what i said earlier so it's another great weekend in college football, great matchups, and I'm looking forward to it. And once they happen, we'll get back on next week. We'll talk about it. A lot of other things might go on this week, right? Florida State might find a football coach. Maybe not, right? That race is just getting crazy. People on Twitter thinking maybe even Deion Sanders is a candidate. Hopefully for my sake and my stress levels, that doesn't turn into the Tennessee coaching search. I don't think it will. I think a lot of big media people are thinking it's going that way, but they're not very close to the situation. So we'll see what goes on. A lot going down in college football this weekend. All right. I'll talk to you guys next week. Have a good one. (laughs) 